Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and we've got a great show lined up for you today, and it has absolutely nothing to do with me. As uh, our loyal listeners will know, it's all about the guest, and today's guest is uh, one of the very best that we have in our bow hunting fraternity. He's a regular. Uh, for those of you who read the magazine, it's none other than field editor Randy Ulmer. Randy, thanks so much for being with us today. How's the weather in uh, Arizona right now? Well, it's uh, getting pretty warm. It's going to be 100 degrees today for the first time, and uh, it's it's time to head north. Wow, 100 degrees already, and we're just into the, the middle part of spring. I tell you what, it uh, summer's just around the corner, and uh, hunting season really will be here before we know it. I mean, right now, I'm actually getting ready to go on a spring bear hunt uh, next week in New Brunswick. You've probably been out doing something, chasing some kind of critter this spring, uh, but fall seasons are are going to be here in just a few short months. And even though it feels like there's a lot of time between now and then, there's a lot of things that I'm sure that you have on your list to do to get ready for those hunts. Well, this is, Christian, this is about the time of year when I start preparing. Um, I, every year I, I fletch up, uh, I refletch all my old arrows. And, and unless I'm changing arrows, I, I get a few more dozen arrows to, to, replace all the ones that I've lost or, or <laughs> shot into trees. And uh, so I've just finished fletching up all my arrows and getting ready to, to start grouping them. And I'm actually setting up, uh, every year I, I set up uh, one or two new hunting bows, uh, the, the new models, this time of the spring. Uh, I like to hunt. Um, I like to go all the way through the hunting season with uh, with one bow uh, or one bow uh, or at least two bows of the same model. And then when uh, Hoyt comes out with their new models, I always like to uh, try them out in the spring. There's a lot less pressure. There's uh, there's uh, not a lot going on this time of year, so i uh, got more time to, to mess with them and see if I like the new ones. Gotcha. So what are you shooting this year, Randy, that, uh, that you're just setting up now? Well, I'm setting up the Element, and I'm setting up an all-aluminum bow. Uh, it's a little longer. Uh, it's a little bit heavier, but... Uh, I'm thinking about using it for some of the hunts that uh, aren't quite as strenuous because I think uh, it's a little longer axle-to-axle bow, so I think it may give me a little bit more forgiveness, but I'm, I'm uh, setting up the, uh, the spider. Okay, so that's their, that's their other new one, uh, or I guess the element's not really new, but some refinements, I guess, for 2013, and then that spider, which uh, I haven't had a chance to get one. I'll get my hands on one myself, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. So hopefully, you yeah, so am I. And that's why I wanted to try it. And plus, I've got an element from each of the last several years, and uh, the uh, carbon matrix as well. And and uh, so the element's not going to be that much different this year. A few changes uh, that'll make it a little bit quieter. But uh, I wanted to try one of the aluminum. I haven't hunted with an aluminum bow in quite some time, so I just want to keep my uh, kind of keep my fingers on the pulse of what's going on at Hoyt. So uh, when people ask me about aluminum bows, I'll be able to tell them. 
Absolutely. So, so you got a got a new bow that you've set up, and and you talked about getting your arrows ready. How many? You know, I, I know. Gosh, not that many years ago. This is only my going to be five years this year here at Peterson's Bow Hunting. And before I got this job, and I didn't have to go out and and buy every piece of bow hunting equipment that I used. I used to get through a whole season, if not uh, a couple of seasons, on a dozen arrows, Randy, because 80 or or $100 was a lot of money, and uh, I guarded those things pretty jealously, and if I missed a target, I'd spend 20 minutes digging around in the briars looking for that thing. Um, how many arrows do you keep in your supply? And, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm definitely not the norm here. I'm a little bit of an um, accuracy fanatic. I'll, I'll go going way back. You're talking about buying a dozen arrows. Uh, way back when my brother and I started bow hunting, we were uh, in, both in college and we were dead broke. And uh, we would actually buy a dozen between us and split them. And I actually, this is getting off point a little bit here, but I remember the first year we ever went elk hunting, um, after the first day, after the first morning, I went back to camp because I had lost all six of my arrows shooting it out <laughs> and, and, and begged, begged Rusty, my brother, to borrow, to borrow one, one arrow because mine were all broken or bent. And those were 2219s and, and, uh, you know, they were shooting about 180 feet per second. So it was hard to bend and break them, but I shot them, looked for them, shot them again. And I need, need to say it wasn't very lethal. Uh, needless to say, I did not like kill that, that year, alcohol. although my brother shot a bull. But, uh, back to your original question. Yeah. Now uh, I'm very spoiled. Um, and and coming from the, the you know the target archery side of things, I I tend to to uh, accumulate things. And what I do is I typically try to shoot the same arrow year after year. So what I do is is I start out with several dozen arrows, and I'll group them. I have a shooting machine. I group them, and like I say, I'm a uh, accuracy fanatic. I group them, and then I practice with the ones that aren't quite perfect, and I, I hunt with the ones that are perfect. But uh, to answer your question, right now I have six dozen fully-fledged arrows ready to go. Okay. And those are those are left over from two years, two years ago, last year, and then I got uh, like uh, two or three dozen new ones this year. Um, and uh, I grouped them, and, you know, after they've been banged up a little bit, uh, they might not be as, as good, but then those are the ones I practice with. And my son's, are starting to bow hunt now, so they get all my banged up arrows. So and so out of those, the, and just just to give people a little bit of insight too, you know, you say that you're a bit of an accuracy fanatic. Sometimes, Randy, I don't even think you realize um, how fanatic you are compared to the average bow hunter because you're so immersed in what you're doing. I was editing one of Randy's columns a few weeks ago. He just wrapped up a three-part series about the perfect hunting arrow, and I hope everyone who's listening takes the time to to read those in Peterson's bow hunting. But there was a particular anecdote, Randy, that when I read it, all I could do was kind of shake my head and laugh because the mere mention of it as a statement of fact in your column just showed how far above most of us you are with your shooting and your attention to detail. Randy was talking about a variety of things and uh, the the specifications of his arrows and one thing he was talking about was arrow weight and if I remember correctly Randy you were talking about how critical it is that you know every arrow it's got to weigh exactly the same and and uh, you said that you found 
that in your shooting, that one grain of variation in arrow weight, okay, remember this people, one grain, Randy found that that equaled a 5 eighths inch difference in his impact point at 100 yards. <laughs> and I said, my goodness, at 100 well, yards. Well, Christian, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's not that I can shoot. Uh, good enough to know a five eighths inch difference. It, you know, I do it through extrapolation. What I do to find out how important it was, and this is just having a, uh, I like to call it an inquisitive mind. Uh, my <laughs> wife, would, my wife would call it an obsessed mind. But what I do is I'll I'll, I'll take a group of arrows and uh, shoot them with my shooting machine, or sh- you know, if there's no wind or anything, I'll shoot them myself at a hundred yards, and then and then I'll I'll take. Um, 20 grains off of an arrow and then shoot another group uh, of arrows that weigh 20 grains less. And by measuring the distance and by, uh, uh, you know, the distance between the centers of both groups and then dividing it by 20, you can extrapolate out to the, that it's five okay. eighths an inch okay. so you're per not, you're grain. Not, so uh, that, I, you know, I didn't even think about that. People were saying, yeah, right. Uh, but it's, it's just an extrapolation. So it's not that I can shoot that good. It's just that that I know how important it is. And the reason I wanted to know, well, first of all, because I, I don't want to, as, a, as a, a writer for Peterson's, I want to make sure that I'm giving the readers accurate information. And, and, to, and, and also just to let them know how important, and, and nobody shoots at 100 yards. I mean, nobody hunts at 100 yards. Uh, at least nobody that hunts ethically shoots at 100 yards. But uh, I found shooting at 100 yards, you can extrapolate a lot of things. So, so a guy, let's say a guy shoots at 50 yards. Well, it's not completely a linear relationship, but you know, he can say that, hey, if 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 my grain if my arrow's five grains off at fifty yards, you know, that might be two or three inches. So, hey, I better weigh all my arrows and make sure because if you fletch up a batch of arrows with you know the the variations in fletching weight, point weight, and everything else, you can come up with two or three grains fairly easily. Oh, sure. And you know that might be the difference between a lethal hit and a, a wound at at forty or fifty yards. So that that's. <laughs> That's why I'm fanatical. <laughs> well, you gotta, yeah, you just, you gotta be careful because myself and probably a lot of the readers, we have a lot of respect for you, and so we take that stuff literally. Here I'm thinking, you know, Randy's standing back there at a hundred yards, and people are handing him different arrows, and he's shooting them, and he's saying, "Ah, that one was a little heavy. That one was a couple grains light. <laughs> you know, it was half an inch." No, yeah, I would like people <laughs> to believe that I can shoot that well, but that far, that's far from the truth. Well, you shoot pretty well. I've seen your hundred-yard broadhead groups, so uh, pretty pretty scary stuff. I wouldn't want to be an elk within within your bow range, that's for sure. So okay, so yeah, you've got... but those those groups are shot uh, when there's not an elk standing there. If there were an elk standing there, those groups wouldn't be nearly as good. I get buck fever just like everybody else. Well, so you start with your six dozen arrows, and and really of those six dozen, how many sort of make the cut with all the different testing that you do to to be, you know, okay, these are ones that are like perfect, you know, quote, unquote. Well, it would depend on your definition of perfect. What I do um, typically with my shooting machine, um, I can shoot uh, with the, I'm shooting the East, an injection, which is an extremely accurate arrow, um, for several reasons. But mainly because, uh, well, it's very straight, but it's also got very uniform spine around the shaft, and uh, it's also very uh, thin diameter, so it, it bucks the wind real well. But you know, at 100 yards through the shooting machine, I'm getting uh, about 
with with field points, I'm getting you know a two inch group on average or so. And if I can get those arrows to go into two inch group, I'll keep them. So the the vast majority of them will make the grade. Now there are some variations in in uh, in uh, knocks, some fletching variations because I fletch all my own arrows, and and obviously you don't do everything perfectly. So what I'll have to do is I'll the ones that aren't within that two inch group, I'll turn them. Uh, I'll turn the knocks on them and shoot them. And usually the vast majority of them might get into that two inch group. Um, and you know, it may be three inches, but, and that's perfectly calm. That, that has to be in a perfect, perfect situation with a very well tuned bow, uh, out of a shooting machine. That's been very well tuned. M- most shooting machines straight out of the, uh, package won't shoot that well. You have to tune your shooting machine as well. So a lot of work goes into that, but if they'll make it in a two inch group, uh, they they are uh, they're gamers and and I would say the vast majority of them do at least eighty percent. Do um, you're a fan? I, I just learned actually in another one of your columns of uh, using four veins as opposed to three. Talk to me a little bit about that and what you see as the reasoning uh, advantages that you get out of that. Because of course that would be sort of out of the norm. You know, I'd say probably 95 or more percent of us are shooting three veins and three veins is fine three veins is fine there's nothing wrong with three veins my my thought process on on shooting and i actually shoot six veins sometimes and, and here's the thought process behind that i personally prefer to get the arrow spinning very quickly uh and as the years have gone by i'm shooting a a, a smaller and smaller and smaller diameter arrow so what happens if if uh, and, and i like to have uh i like to say i like to have the arrow spinning quickly which means you have to have a lot of rotational force on the arrow now you can get that one of two ways you can put three fletching on and use longer fletching the problem with that in in my opinion is longer fletching tends to i like stiff fletching and with the advent of the fall away arrow rest we're not worried about at least all of those dust that are using that aren't worried about fletching contact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back when we were worried about fletching contact, we would all shoot three, three, or excuse me, three fletch arrows because we had to get the arrow by the arrow rest. But now it's not so important. So four fletch or, or six fletch, and I use the minimum amount of fletching that I think I can get away with and still control the broadhead. So you're you're kind of walking a fine line between accuracy and the amount of fletching you use. Um, so what the reason I use more fletching as opposed to bigger fletching is because on a very small shaft, I want a significant offset. And I can have much more significant offset in degrees with a short fletching. Just imagine on a very small shaft, if you had a 2-inch fletching or a one point six-inch fletching, what I use, I can angle that fletching significantly. So the terminal spin velocity for that arrow is going to be much faster than in in revolutions per second or revolutions per minute than it would be for you that's using a three-fletch system because you can't get that much offset on your arrow because the fletch has to wrap around that thin shaft and it won't, you won't get the front of the fletching and the back of the fletching to seat on that shaft. Mm-hmm. Now, did that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, if you use what you're saying is if you use a, a vein that's longer, 
to do that same offset, you got to cover a lot more real estate, and it's just not going to wrap around the shaft. That, it won't that wrap around exactly. So, so I'm still getting I'm getting a higher spin rate, mm-hmm. and I'm also getting actually less uh, wind drift. Um, and and I and I assume, so, and I assume, and I can I can increase and I can increase the amount of fletching I have for stability just by increasing the number of fletchings I use. And I assume that because, you know, you test everything or, you know, you're basically t- field testing all your your theories, you know, that you're doing all variety of fletching configurations on these shafts and shooting them side by side and then <clears throat> making your decisions based on, you know, the accuracy results that you get. Yeah, and it, and it actually, I mean, it would get real complicated. It's more than, it, accuracy is one of the most important things. But the other thing is a, a longer fletching, in my experience, or a taller fletching, uh, would tend to, for lack of a better word, flap like a flag. And it, it actually makes more noise. We, we do quite a, a few, uh, we've done quite a few experiments where I have a 100-yard bale, and right in front of it I have an 80-yard bale, and... Uh, so we hide behind the 80-yard bell, and, and uh, the guy that is shooting through the shooting machine uh, has a list of arrows, and the arrows are numbered. But the guy down that's listening doesn't know what the arrows are, so it's a, uh, a blind uh, survey, so to speak. And we just rate how, how each arrow sounds and get a pretty good idea of what arrows make the most noise. Wow. Don't try that at home, kids. Yeah, don't try that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you've got your bow tuned up. You've got these arrows, and again, you're very uh, obviously you're meticulous. You, one more thing before we move on to actually shooting, uh, I have to ask this. I, I think listeners are going to be curious too. You're very adamant about fletching all your own arrows, and of course, again, uh, the masses, the average bow hunter. I know that. Uh, you know, we're getting a lot of factory fletch shafts out of the box. We're cutting our arrows down. We're gluing them in. Tell people why they really don't want to shoot those factory fletch shafts. They, they've got to do it themselves, Randy. Oh, they don't have to. They don't have to. Um, again, what you'll find with most, it's very time-consuming to fletch a shaft with a lot of helical or a lot of offset. It's very time-consuming. So what you'll notice is almost all factory fletched uh, arrows are fletched uh, almost straight or very slight offset. It's just much quicker and much easier. So their terminal spin rate, meaning the fastest they ever spin, is not going to be nearly as fast as my arrow. And and spinning makes an arrow more accurate and forgiving of 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 different tolerances, uh, or different uh, form flaws, and also different uh, different flaws within the manufacture of the arrow itself. So, if you just you just enjoy bow hunting, uh, use a long fletching with a fairly good size shaft, and you're going to be okay. Especially if you use a mechanical broadhead. Now, when you start talking about using a fixed blade shaft, you know your groups are really going to open up. So, if you know, it's like everything else. As you get more and more serious about accuracy, then I think one of the, the logical steps is to begin to fletch your own arrows because it not only 
make sure I was more consistent because you care a lot more about consistently consistency than you know the, the people at the factory. But it also teaches you as as you start doing your own uh, making your own arrows, doing your own repairs. It teaches you how things work, and that's always going to uh, make you more educated and uh, and therefore a, a better shooter, better bow hunter. So. <clears throat> Bottom line, you don't have to fletch your own arrows, but if you really want the maximum in consistency and stability, it's not a bad idea to do so. Because what you're saying is the faster you can get your arrow spinning and the faster it, you know, it does spin, you're going to stabilize your arrow flight that much more quickly, and that's going to give you more consistent shooting. Exactly. And you can kind of customize. You know, if, you're, if you don't have a... a, a if you're not able to fletch your own arrows, first of all, uh, you know, when you pull it, when you shoot and kind of fletching off, or if you lose a fletching, you're not able to repair it. And also, it allows you to customize your uh, your setup, and and you'll be amazed at how different fletching configurations uh, will decrease the size of your group. The, the way I look at it is we all have... We all have our limitations as, as how well, well we're physically able to shoot, um, and so it's nice to get a little help from our equipment. Right. Yeah. It's uh, what kind of a jig do you use to do your fletching? I have, you know, I don't know how you feel about some of the simpler solutions that are out there. I have a little like Arizona Easy Fletch Mini that does a right helical, and that'll only handle the short vein. So you're talking about two inches or under. Um, it does a really quick and I think pretty decent job for my purposes of fletching shafts. Um, yeah, if you want a simple fletcher, you know, uh, Randy Phillips is the one that, that uh, markets that. He's a friend of mine. He's from Arizona here. And it's a great, simple fletching jig. Now, it doesn't give you, as you're starting, as you get, and again, this is, you know, beyond the average guy that just wants to go shoot a deer. But as you get into it and as you start shooting your bow for fun, uh, the Arizona Easy Fletch is, is perfect for, for the guy that just wants to fletch his own arrows. However, if you want to start changing the amount of offset, uh, changing from a helical clamp to a straight clamp, using longer, shorter fletchings, there really isn't a better uh, jig out there than the Bitsenberger, and it's been around, I think, 40 or 50 years. And it's very adjustable. It's just a good fletching jig. And I've had a lot of different fletching jigs, and I still use the Bitsenberger. Uh, and they're really not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, man, we spent a bunch of time on that. I tell you what, this is what happens, though, when you talk to Randy Ulmer, folks. I mean, he doesn't really blow past any aspect of shooting. He's not He's not blowing anything off. So, you know, it takes a little while, but this is this is good good information. I mean, really interesting at least at least to me me and you it is, Randy. I hopefully it is to everybody else too, but <laughs> Now let's talk about your, uh, your They can always turn the radio <laughs> off if it's, if it's not entertaining. Right. They can just hit the delete key or exactly. There you go. Um Shooting itself. Now, does your wife, I would imagine by now, I don't know how many years you've been married, but it's been a few. And uh does she just know, like, there's going to be a certain, you know, two hours every day or something like that where that's Randy's archery time and he's out shooting, you know. Uh, how much time do you really spend each day um, shooting and, and uh, just working on your form and, and that kind of thing? Well, um, this year's kind of an 
abnormality. Back when I was shooting competitive archery all the time, I shot. I al- I've always shot every other day. Um, okay. I think it's important, especially as you get older, to, to let all your, your muscles and bones and your mind kind of rest a little bit. Um, but I shoot every other day. And this year I, I, I shot so my youngest son wanted to shoot uh, the Vegas tournament. And so uh, I told him if he wanted to go, I'd go. So I shot uh, several uh, national-level competitions this year. So I actually practiced more this year. I would say I practiced an average of an hour to two hours every other day. Um from November till now, and and in the summertime, I try to practice. If I have the time, uh, I practice about an hour to two hours every second or third day during the summer as I'm getting ready to to hunt. But then I I always try to uh, end those sessions with kind of an exercise period with my bow, where I uh, try to to strengthen. Uh, I don't just I shoot for accuracy, and then I kind of do a, a strength routine with my bow at the end of the practice session. So what is, uh, before we go there, I want to back up one second. So I don't recall, uh, like you said, this was a bit of a different year for you. I think it's been a little while since you had really done much, if any, competitive shooting. Uh, Was this the first year that you did, you know, get back into competition a little bit? And what was that like for you? Uh, (laughs) Well, it was a little scary. Yeah, it's been, it's probably been 12 or 13, 14 years since I competed at any national level. Um, but uh, yeah, I shot. Um, let's see, I shot uh, the Vegas tournament. I shot indoor nationals, and uh, I was actually very pleased with uh, how how well it all came back. Uh, uh, very pleased. I got second at indoor nationals, which was um, very surprising to me since it's been that long. But uh, it all kind of came back. Um, so, and then I shot that the the there's a it's. It's an NFA national shoot. It's a, it's a long-distance indoor shoot, and I just had that last week. Not last week, the weekend before, and I got second at that, too. So um, second kind of sucks, but it's sure better than I had hoped for. But it comes it comes back. You know, once you've learned to shoot a bow and once you've learned to have good form, um, it doesn't take that much practice uh to, to kind of regain it all again. And I'm sure the bow hunters out there, you know, uh, when they remember when they first started shooting a bow, how difficult it was to get your form down. But now if you've been hunting for any period at all, uh, any number of years, you, you go out and you pick up your bow in the first week or so. It's, uh, you know, you're a little rusty, but you just kind of fall back in that groove. So it actually felt pretty good. Great. And you enjoyed it. You think you're going to be doing more of it in the future or was uh, this just for my your kids? Sons, yeah. If my sons, um, the reason I quit shooting competition originally is because we had two young kids and and I'd shot just about every competition there was to shoot and my wife and I decided it was time to <laughs> raise kids. But if my boys uh, continue to get into it, uh, I'll definitely be back. But if they aren't, uh, I won't be gotcha. until after they're gone. Well, I hope for... I th- I hope selfishly that they that they take an interest in it because I I would enjoy seeing you you know get back at it a little bit and uh, I bet you the prospect is not too appealing to some of the other competitors though because if you just came out of semi retirement and went right to second place uh, you probably put the fear of God into him, Randy. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, we had a, it was fun. I, I truly enjoyed it. it. It's neat to to feel that you know there's a it's interesting. I think we're all 
all of us at bow hunter are, are bow hunter are a little bit addicted to adrenaline of some sort because shooting in a tournament um and I had nearly forgotten this, but shooting in a tournament is is a whole lot like a hunting um you get the same physiological responses your body uh, the adrenaline surge and the the heartbeat the clammy palms and the dry mouth and all that that I don't know if you still get that Christian, but I certainly still do when when I'm sneaking up on something and and uh it's kind of neat to get that in the off season um you know it's a it's a it's a it's a thrill and yeah. i and I truly do enjoy it, and I forgot how much I enjoyed it so win lose or draw you know when you go to an archery tournament you get that uh you got to get that same sort of adrenaline surge that you get when you're hunting mm-hmm absolutely well that's cool so so back on to to point here uh, an hour to two hours every other second or third day um tell me about your routine I'm sure that you don't just you know, you don't just pick up your bow and, you know, step out into the yard and just start flinging arrows, you know, randomly uh, for an hour to two hours. You've got some kind of a routine that you follow. Walk me through it, Randy. Well, usually I have an agenda. Usually I'm working on something, whether it's to, you know, figure out what front of center weight is it works best or what fletching is. Usually I'm experimenting on something, but on a typical day when I all I'm doing is practicing, I really... I, I practice almost exclusively at two different distances, and 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 I'll try to explain the reason for both. I do the vast majority of my practice early in the season at 20 yards, and I usually use a NFA five spot or a Vegas three spot. And the purpose of that is I'm practicing, and I'm not. I'm actually standing in my garage, or or uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing out of the wind because what I'm really trying to do is perfect my form through repetition. So I'm shooting the same shot over and over and over and over again. Then as the season progresses, I take that outside and then I do almost all my shooting at a hundred yards because at 20 yards, you learn at 20 yards. I learned to repeat and that's really all a good archery shot is. It's just doing everything the same way every time. So, and that takes a lot of time for me. It's just to learn to repeat, learn to repeat. Uh, because this, you're shooting the same shot whether you're shooting at 20 yards or in distance, but the 20 yard gives me the discipline uh, to to. I'm not worried about anything else. Then I take it to 100 yards because then I want the wind involved, I want my broadheads involved, and I'm usually shooting broadheads when I'm shooting at 100 yards. And the reason I shoot at 100 yards is not because I I hunt at 100 yards or I'll shoot things at 100 yards. At 100 yards, I find all my problem areas, all my issues mm-hmm. come to a forefront. They're much easier to, to find and they're, they're, you, you can find out when you're doing better, when you're trying to uh, resolve the issues. Uh, and, and the other thing is when you shoot at a hundred yards, uh, I like to shoot deer, you know, around 40 to 50 yards for meal deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm shooting at a hundred yards and when I get a deer at 40 yards, I'm very confident that I'll be able to get them. Uh, so there's a confidence issue there as well. Um, and then, of course, I shoot, uh, I shoot, then I practice all the, as when I get within a month of the season, I start practicing all my off-balance shots. I, I practice extremely steep up and downhill shots. I practice in the wind. Shoot all those shots that most people don't like to practice because you're not very accurate at those shots, sitting, kneeling, um, 
off-balance shots, that sort of thing, because it seems like when I'm hunting elk or mule deer, which is what I hunt the most, I end up with a lot of shots that aren't your, you know, uh, flat ground, you know, no wind, sure. in your backyard type of shots. So for for those of us who, you know, who aren't going to, you know, go right out there to 100 yards, you know, I've done some shooting at 100 yards uh, from time to time. Not uh, not always pretty, you know. You get well, the, and, kind of, it's kind of like it's kind of like golf. You know, you hit that one really good shot, and and then you have a bunch that aren't so hot. But but to draw some parallels for those of us who aren't going to go, would you recommend? You know, let's say for for uh, uh, you know an average shooter, uh, twenty yards he or she is pretty good you know he's getting them kind of in there at 30 yards yeah still pretty decent 40 yards things really start to loosen up if 40 yards is that place for somebody is that where you're saying that's where you should do most of your practice and and you know when 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 people ask me a question like that they have to realize my background and and i shot competitive archery forever and and most competitive archers uh not anything special but most competitive archers can you know, they can, um, you know, they can keep them. I shoot it at four by four foot block target at a hundred yards. So I've got a lot of leeway and most competitive archers can keep them in that. But I would say just for the average shooter, that's a pretty decent shooter. I think that hundred yards is the 40 yard bell because you're going to keep all, you're not going to lose and ruin your arrows, but it's, it's not 20 yards. And, and, and like you say, the group spread now. So when you shoot one high left, you can go, okay, that was high left. Now, was that the wind? Was that me? Was I? Was I? Did I have torque on my bow, or did I have a bad release? Uh, you can kind of identify your issues and uh, and and try to resolve them, and and that's what I think practice is all about. A lot of people practice uh, practice mediocrity. They don't really work on anything when they practice. And if you want to get better, uh, you kind of need to be working on something. Try to try. Usually for me, it's identifying issues trying to figure out why that arrow's not going where it's supposed to and learning how to relax and hold steady and 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 better trigger control trying to get a surprise release all of those things rather than just going out and flinging arrows but i found it at, at a further distance you tend to most people tend to focus more and they tend to uh you know are, are, tend to be a little more uh, self analytical at further distances. Sure. And and obviously, you know, we don't have time really because um, you know, we're pre- we're pretty far into this. We don't have time to analyze every aspect of executing a shot. But briefly, before we wrap it up, I I would imagine that, you know, especially with your competitive background and, and all the the high pressure shots that you've taken in hunting situations, you've got some kind of a mental checklist that you go through that keeps you uh, where you need to be in terms of everything, you know, from your stance to your draw cycle to your release, your follow through, etc. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I'd be surprised if I am. Tell me a little bit about that. Kind of walk me through a Randy Ulmer shot. Well, Let's. I'll walk you through Randy Ulmer shot at let's say a big deer. Yeah, a big deer because that's what really melts me down. Um, and it's a smaller target than a big elk, and they're usually further away. But what what I go through is everything 
what I've worked on all summer is to try to, to get that shot to be a subconscious shot where I don't have to think about I don't have to think about my form, and that's ideally where you want to be, and that's why you practice is so that everything becomes automatic. So really, at that point for me, the, 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 the shot process, the, the physical shot process, is hopefully automatic. I don't really think about much as far as the physical thought process. Here is what I think about, though. I think about <laughs> what I really tell myself is don't screw up. And that's, you know, a, a mental coach will tell you don't, don't, don't say that. But what I'm really trying to do is I say, you know, I, I tell myself patience. I have a little mantra that I have. I, I tell myself patience, patience, patience. Because typically what will screw me up more than anything is if I get in a hurry and try to get that shot off too quickly. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I, I'm telling myself, okay, don't screw up. Don't make a mistake. Don't make any mistakes. And that slows me down, and, I, and I'm thinking patience, because I, I, I don't want to make a mistake. And in that critical 10 seconds, that's where most of your mistakes are going to happen. So I'm trying to, to, to do everything calmly, slowly. But when I actually draw my bow, the main thing, there's two things I think about. What is the exact yardage? And I've obviously already range found the animal. I, I really won't shoot anything unless it's under 25 yards unless I've range found it. Uh, there's no need to. And what I do is I go, okay, what's the exact distance? And exactly where do I need my pin on that animal? And then as I'm executing the shot, I just say, patience, 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 until the trigger goes off. But those two things really help me because, you know, the first thing I ever heard from a bow hunter was, you know, when you're aiming, you got to pick a spot. And, you know, that's the hardest thing during that, climactical moment that that, that that you have to remember is pick a spot because even, even you and I and guys that are very experienced, I don't know, you may not do this, but I tend to just want to get my pins on them and yank the trigger. Oh, I, th- I, think we, I, I think we all do. And the question that I have for you uh, is uh, one that I think that, uh, you know, a lot of bow hunters would be curious about is think back on a lot of the memorable trophies that you've taken over the years randy and not so much the arrow in flight because i'm sure that you have images of that burned in your mind but when you tried to think back on the shot itself and exactly what you were doing uh, with your pen or your release uh, and follow through at that moment uh, right before the shot, do you remember all those things vividly or does what transpires in those couple seconds at the moment of truth, they just kind of happen and you actually can't recall all the details or, or do you recall all the details? I can tell you that up to about seven or eight years ago, I couldn't remember a thing. It was like, okay, there he is, and from that point on, drawing my bow back, making the shot, where I aimed, what, what pin I used, all that was just a blur. I couldn't remember. But as I've worked on it more and more and tried to keep myself calm, and also it's a matter of experience, but now I know that I've made a really good shot if I can remember what pin was on the animal, where it was, and that I actually had a a little bit of time between the time my finger got on the trigger 
and the time the arrow left. And there's actually, I would say it's about 50% now where I can actually remember most things. And if I can remember everything, I know I made a good shot. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I still get buck fever, and, and I, I kind of glad I do, but I wish I didn't because it sure would make it easier to perform if I didn't. But, you know, there's the thrill, and that's why we all do it, of course. But um, I still have times when I shoot at an animal, and it's just a blur. And at that point, I'm just hoping my instincts and my, my you know, all the practice I did all summer kind of comes through and, and that, uh, you know, I don't drop my bow arm or don't make, mm. you know, don't jerk the trigger. Uh, you hope that you hope that uh, all your training comes through, but I'm not sure it always does. Well, I think that it's a blur for a lot of us. I mean, like I said, I can, you know, I usually have a pretty good idea of whether it was good or not because I can vividly see, you know, recollections of arrows in the air and and impact on the animal, so you know sort of you know what it looked like. But when people you know, I've had multiple situations where people are like, well, you know, did you do this or did you do that? And it's like, you just look at the guy and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Or what I'll find with a lot of bow hunters is, is your, uh, you'll ask them, um, how, what was the body angle like when you shot? And they'll tell you one position, but then when you find the animal, you'll find, that the position was actually significantly different. Oh, yeah, like you know, you'll get a lot of times where you feel like the animal was broadside and he's actually like quartering too slightly or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that, uh, you know, even Randy Almore gets buck fever, but uh, you know what? You say that it would be nice if, if that didn't happen and we could be completely calm, cool, and collected, but it really kind of wouldn't be the same if it didn't get you so fired up and get those juices flowing, you know? It's a, it's a delicate balance, <laughs> I guess. Well, it, it is, but uh, it's, when, you're in the, when you're in that moment, I, I don't know if you're like I am, but when I'm in that moment and I just want it over with because it's so intense, you just uh, you, know, well, you want to get that arrow. You want to sure. get that arrow gone because you're... You're so worried that something is going to go wrong, a, you know, yeah. that he's going to sense you, you're going to get away, or um, it's yeah, a very... A, it's, yep, there's a part of your mind that's telling you how fleeting that opportunity is, and that, that naturally makes you want to rush, and uh, we've had some conversations about that in the past, so uh, no need to dredge up all our horrible... <laughs> failures but uh anyway. well, we'll have to get a psychologist on the show next time <laughs> you know that's not a bad idea that would make a good episode who do you happen to know the who's the best archery psychologist going <laughs> yeah. no if i did i'd be going to him <laughs> well listen randy i'll tell you you uh that was a fast 45 minutes for me and uh hopefully for the listeners too a lot of information there and uh, like I said, we just don't have time to, to you know, dissect every every step of, of the shot sequence. We could do individual shows, I'm sure, on, on each aspect of that. But I really appreciate your time. It sounds like you're still, you know, the good news is that after many years of hunting and competition, 
you're still enjoying it, you know, as much if not more than you ever have and getting your your sons involved and bringing a new generation and finding new opportunities of, you know, shooting competitively alongside them, taking them alongside you out into the field, you, you know, you've still got a lot to look forward to, so that's great. Well, I've got ulterior motives. Uh, I don't like packing elk out, <laughs> and they're young and strong. Well, that's kind of what I tell my kids on a lesser level. Of course, I'm an Easterner, so I don't get to enjoy quite the variety of game as you do on a on a super regular basis. But I tell my kids, I say, now, when I'm old, your job is to make sure that I get to my tree stand and you come back later and check on me. So uh, <laughs> I like it. It's it. Somebody's got to get Grandpa in the woods. There you go. Well, Randy, it was great talking with you. Enjoy your summer. Enjoy your time uh, in the mountains. And I know that it'll just be a few short months, and I'll be sitting here at my desk slaving away, as I dutifully do for the readers of Peterson's Bowhunting. And into my mailbox will pop a photo of Randy Almer and some ungodly large mule deer. And I'll know that fall is here once again. (laughs) I hope so. Well, I I have no doubts. You hope and you pray, and the rest of us will be confident that you're going to do it again. Thanks again, and uh, have a great, great summer. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra-micro-diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.